Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, Paul Mills, the head coach of Oral Roberts University, the surprise team, I think, of the NCAA tournament this past season, uh, is our guest, and I think you're really going to enjoy him. You talk about a guy that, again, I've known for 20-plus years, but he's so down-to-earth. He's such a great person, but his journey, I want you to focus on his journey of how he got to where he is, the patience how hard he worked, and I think you're really going to get a, you're going to really learn the sacrifices you got to make. So after this quick time out from our friends, uh, we'll be right back with Paul Mills. Hi, this is Brendan Sir. I'm talking to coaches, PE teachers, ADs, and camp directors because I'm so excited to announce our newest Coaching You podcast partnership with my friends from 360 Hoops. What if I told you that I've witnessed the most innovative game, training, and exercise for kids that I've seen in decades? 360 Hoops takes up less space than traditional basketball and allows for more players to get involved in developing their basketball fundamentals. The three-sided basket is attached to wheels for easy transportation and can adjust from 7 to 10 feet. The uses are endless, from elementary and middle school recess to physical education classic can also be used for team practice and skill development training for teams with players of all ages. For more information, visit www.play360hoops.com. To learn more about this new innovative product, make sure you mention Coaching You for a 10% discount. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. And today, Paul Mills, the head coach of Oral Roberts University and a longtime friend of mine, is our guest. And I think, Paul, to say that we've known each other a while and to say that I ever thought that you would be at Oral Roberts from your longtime friendship and relationship with Scott Drew, what, how did that all transpire? Well, Coach One, thanks for having me on. Uh, I was just, when I grew up, I was a basketball junkie, and probably like a lot of kids, I was a huge Michael Jordan fan. And the person that always stood in in Michael Jordan's ability was the Detroit Pistons. Uh. So I not only knew all the players for the Detroit Pistons, you know, everybody admired Isaiah Thomas, especially if you were little. Um, and then obviously being at Baylor, you saw Vinny Johnson's picture every single day the microwave, uh, that, yes. that he was so good. But from Joe Dumars to Rick Mahorn to Dennis Robin to Bill Ambeer, all those guys that, that you coach. I knew all of you coaches because mm. I wanted to know who everybody was from Coach Daly to Coach Sir, who was standing in Michael's way yeah. from getting out of the palace in Auburn Hills. Uh <laughs> And so from that context, uh, very familiar and just realize what a contributor you are to all of us coaches and to the game. And, you know, being an assistant at Baylor, how you would come and visit with us. Uh, I would always see you when I was kind enough to be invited to clinics in Florida that yep. Coach Donovan would have and, and watch you present there. But uh, it's an honor uh, because I, I know what you've given to players and I know what you've given to the game. So thank you for having me on. Paul, it is such an honor because the thing that I love is, you know, what we do in coaching is so special. You know, we, we help 
players' dreams come true. We hope yeah. young men, young boys become men. We watch, you know, men become husbands and yes. know, fathers and uh, and that's the bigger job than developing a pro player, to be honest with yes. you. I mean, I'm more proud of, uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas, the man, than I am as the player, you know. And, uh, you know, yes. and, and so that is what it's it, it's about. But, you know, I've uh, I, I always admired and, and really enjoyed all the Baylor guys. I mean, all the Baylor family, the Scott Drews, you know, Jerome Tang and uh, yourself and I just love those guys and would always enjoy you guys coming to Florida or me going down to Waco and, and visiting with you guys. And, and Scott Drew, there's no bigger fan uh, than I am of him. And I think he, A, he's one of the most incredible human beings on earth. But I I told him last year after the finals, um, you know, it, it was one of the best, biggest upsets I thought ever in, in basketball from this standpoint um, I think everyone had said Gonzaga was one of the greatest teams of all time. But right. I, as and I say this as humbly, as a trained eye, I am watching the two teams play. And to me, Baylor is a much better team front and back. And, yeah. and when they just kick their ass in the finals, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying he's finally getting his due as a coach you know, and and I was well, so happy for him. I, I was sitting there with Matthew Driscoll, the, yep. the current North Florida coach, and then Grant McCaslin, who's the current coach at North Texas, and and we were all assistants at Baylor who have since moved on. But uh, it was, you know, I'm only four years removed. Uh, mm -hmm. My last year there was 2017, and just watching it all happen, and and having been there for 14 years. I mean, I just, you know, there were tears coming down my face because True. I was so excited for for Scott, for Jerome, for mm -hmm. the Baylor family, for the Baylor community. Alvin but Brooks, I do know yeah. all that was invested in those guys. And so it was terrific to see. You know, you know, I think one of the great things in coaching is, um, you know, every one of us when, you know, when you put yourself, when you started A and now you're at, you know, you're only at letter M or N, you know, I'm at Z. Okay. But, you know, when you trace someone's journey, how did it start and how did you get to where you are? I think that's really important. Um, and I, and I think a lot of the problem I have, and I teach coaches all over the world how to coach, but I also try to help them in development what I'm having problem with is a lot of the younger coaches wanting to skip steps and, yeah. and they, they want to become Paul Mills. Like after they did a grad assistantship somewhere, they want to be the head coach of Oral Roberts, you know, or they want right. to certainly be your top assistant at least, you know, they'll take that entry level job as that is the associate head coach. Uh, and, and we know how hard it is. Uh, and, and, and I think it's important if you would share uh, first of all, that you know, you know your journey, uh, but how really you weren't you 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 really weren't thinking of being a coach. You were more like out on a business curve, and but your love and passion has always been for basketball. Yeah, well, I, I tell you, probably like a lot of young coaches, what I wanted was money. Uh, I've never <laughs> had any. I grew up in a poor neighborhood, um, and so basketball was the sport of the poor and. I couldn't afford a, a baseball glove or a bat. I couldn't afford 
helmets or cleats or shoulder pads, but I could run down to the end of the street with 15 other kids with a rubber ball and, and play from sun up to sundown. And I just realized that the better I became as a player, the more respect I could kind of garner in my neighborhood. And when you're poor, you can, you can go one of two ways. You can go the right way, you can go the wrong way. And my parents were not going to allow me to go the wrong way. And so sports was my avenue. Um, what was fortunate to, to play on good high school teams, uh, had some success as a player, but I wasn't good enough to be a Division One player. I went Division II, um, got hurt, could no longer play. I cracked the bottom vertebrae in my spine, and that was it for me. And mm -hmm. And I can remember being in the doctor's office and just just crying, him telling me that that my career in basketball was over. And so for me, I kind of transitioned. Okay, I want to go make money. Uh, let me let me see if I can make money. But my heart was never into that. What I wanted to do was really give kids who were in similar socioeconomic situations as I was. I wanted them to experience what the game allowed me to experience an education. Uh, you can travel uh, and get outside of your little neighborhood uh, because of this basketball. And so I had taken a job. Um, I was planning on getting married, taking a job as a bond analyst at a, at a bank. And uh, but in the evenings, um, the bond markets would close around three. I would put my suit jacket on the back of my chair in my office and then I'd run across town and I would coach from five to seven. Then I would run back to the office and work from like eight to midnight. And and you do that from August to April. And then summer became involved in AAU. And after three years of doing that and and, and having watched kids go on to the college level, I said, I don't want to do this just part of the time. I want to do it all the time. And I just always had it in my heart that I wanted to help kids. So I left that and I took a $12,000 a year job to teach calculus and pre-calculus and then coach. And I thought I was, I was, that was as good as it got. Uh, I, I love the movie Hoosiers. I've seen it probably more than a thousand times. Um, I love the movie Hoop Dreams even more, really? uh, which is a documentary yep. about two young men who use the game of basketball to kind of get out of their socioeconomic situations in Chicago. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so I wanted to do that for what the game did for me. I wanted to do that for other people. And so for six years, I was a high school coach and honest to goodness, that was all I dreamed about. It was all I ever wanted to do. That is so good. That's so good. So now, though, why did you then slide over to Rice University? <laughs> yeah. Well, the high but school it... didn't want me anymore. No uh, way. No way. Yeah. And so we, we had gone to the Final Four. <laughs> and that year, in my third year, we had just moved up in a, in a, in a classification. And so when you're younger than 30, and you're going to a final four in the state of Texas, like you really think that you're special as a coach. Right. Uh, I, I could, I can remember running around working camps. I worked every camp in the world. Mm -hmm. I would go to I, whoever I thought was the best coach at that time. 
I would go spend time with them. Smart. And I just wanted to get better at this coaching profession. I rented every, I bought uh, every video that Championship Productions came out with. Uh, and I just devoured the stuff. I would record games. I would break it down. And I would spend my summers in Salt Lake City with Coach Majerus. And, and there was a young Mike White there who's now the head coach at Florida. He was an assistant at Jacksonville State at the time. And I just began to see, uh, I would work North Carolina's camps and Duke camps, and I just get in my car and I just travel everywhere. And, and when you're young, you're a little arrogant and you think you have some answers about the game. And I can remember telling Coach K, uh, he came up and introduced himself. And I said, Coach, um, you need me on your staff. Uh, <laughs> and he said, hey, give your information to Wojo. And, uh, and, and I, I can look back at that and giggle. Um, but I, I just knew that, that I wanted to be around. I wanted to help young kids. And so after a final four year at my high school, the school, we didn't have football at the time. They decided to, to put in football and I had an athletic director. We had, he didn't hire me, but they were starting football and we had 44 kids in our gym during spring workouts and the football field had six. And uh, <laughs> he was like, well, uh, basketball has become such a big thing at this school that we're going to stop spring workouts and, and you can either participate in football or you can go home. But basketball was, was done with. And so I decided that, man, you know what? Um, it's going to be hard to run a program. And I thought I would be able to catch on somewhere, but resigned and, um, and had a hard time really even finding anything uh, that, that was suitable. And, and I was ready to, to go hang drywall. Uh, I actually had an interview on a Monday when Rice University, Willis Wilson had called me and he said, Paul, I hear you're available. Would you come by um, tomorrow morning and, uh, and visit with me? And he said, I can give you $2,000 for the entire year. He said, but here's how you're going to make the 2000. You have to paint every step here at Autry court. And you have to paint it white paint. There were concrete cinder blocks, which, you know, uh, had lost color over the years. So we needed to repaint them. You're going to have to paint them three times. So if you total up the steps, it's 1,926 of them. Um, and, and, and that's what I did. Uh, and I got $2,000. And I said, Coach Wilson, here's my only question. One, do I get a travel? And he said, yes. And I said, here's my second one. Can I sit on, sit on the bench? And he said, you can sit next to me. And I said, done deal. Uh, that was all I wanted. I just wanted a chance to go see college basketball up close. We went, one of our early games at Rice was playing at Stanford where Coach wow. Wilson had been a longtime assistant. And, and we were playing there, and I was just mesmerized by the speed of the game. I had no idea what really was even going on. Um, but I was just so mesmerized by it. And I said, man, I promise you, if I could do this for free, I'll do it for free the rest of my life. Um, and so I was, I was hooked. Your wife was thrilled at that uh, financial outlook <laughs> uh, on your, her life. Not, yeah. not at all. Uh, she was, 
she she understood my love not necessarily for the game um she understood my love for kids like i really really she she grew up in a similar environment she saw what basketball did for me i lived about a mile from the houston rockets practice facility when i coached in houston wow i would spend every time up there so i got to know Coach Tom Janovich got to know um, Jim Boylan. Uh, they had really good coaches, and, and, and but that was also Akeem Olajuwon, Charles Barkley, Scottie Pippen. Yep. I can remember Rudy Tom Janovich explaining to Charles Barkley. Uh, no, I remember Carol Dawson, um, who was a Baylor grad. Great, uh, great telling, man, great uh, man. Yeah, phenomenal. Right, I can remember him telling Charles Barkley one day that. We've drafted this guy. He's a seven foot four guy, but his legs aren't thin. He's not Manute Bull. His legs are like tree trunks. And then about two days later, in walks Yao Ming. And I was like, oh, that's this guy that they were talking about. And, uh, but during my time at Rice, uh, Coach Lucas, John Lucas, who is a Houston legend, had recently gotten fired from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, they asked him to lose to draft some guy named LeBron James or something. Didn't, um, didn't work and out. So, well. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? They lose uh, Coach Lucas. But Coach Lucas is doing all of his workouts at Rice University. Oh. So I see a high school Dwight Howard. Uh, I see a, a Josh Smith, high school Josh Smith. And all these people are sending these players to John Lucas. Well, John needs somebody to help him at 5.30 in the morning. Well, I was more than willing to help him. And so I would go in there, help Coach Lucas, then would do it at, at Rice, go through the day, and then I'd go back, and then he, Coach Lucas would have a group of guys at nighttime that he would work out. So for me, it was this, this fire hydrant of basketball knowledge being poured out on me after being a high school coach, but I was there from 5 a.m. till 11 p.m. day in and day out. And I, I again, uh, wasn't making hardly anything, but I absolutely loved it. John Lucas is uh, is one of my dearest friends, and uh, you're right. I mean, just a brilliant, brilliant guy. And, uh, I, you know, the, the, but you know what? You know, Kevin Eastman used to say, never turned down a basketball opportunity in life, you know, and that's what you did. You didn't turn down anything, any opportunity no. to get better. And if, if I found out that there was a workout somewhere going on, I would go to it. Uh, I can remember being a high school coach and, you know, paying attention to message boards. And, and they said, we saw Paul Mills scouting three different games tonight <laughs> in three different gyms in th- darn near three different cities. Uh, you know, he was in Alvin, then he was in spring, then he was in Houston. And, uh, and it was true. It was, I would, I just loved it. Uh, but again, what I really loved was going back to your original point, watching these guys use the game of basketball to better themselves and to better their families. Right. We just think about it sometimes. And as if finances are just going to solve yeah. problems, but the people that, that we could put ourselves around was what was really going to allow us to change. 
I'm a big believer in the proximity principle. Mm-hmm. Go put yourself close to people who you really believe in and is the, and and you can really learn from. And so from that context, I was able to put myself um, on my own dime. I mean, I would go spend time with Coach Majerus. Uh, just, man, what is what do you have somebody who sweeps the floor after camp? Uh, I'll be that guy. <laughs> but I just wanted to listen to him talk. And, and he offered me a job once as a as a video coordinator. And I just said, man, I think I don't you, you want 28 hours worth of work done in 24. I don't think I'm capable. Uh, <laughs> so I decided to stay where I was at. But I, I just I just loved learning. But I loved learning because I could help other young men who grew up in similar situations as me have bigger lessons and understand the bigger picture here with what the game could actually provide. Paul, I love this, man. This is so good. And so, so good for our young coaches to, to really understand today what has to be done. You know, people always say, how do I get, you know, to the NBA as a coach? How do I get to college as a coach? These are the things that you have to do. And well, I can't afford that. Okay, then you really don't want to go there, right? Yeah. And I would tell you that when you're young, now's your chance. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. Uh, you, you're you're going to have to make sacrifices if you think that that you know. My father was a pastor, and my father made a hundred dollars a week. No. And the reason I know that is because when Michael Jordan came out with his shoes, my mom would often say, "Son, we can't eat Jordans." We can only buy things that we can eat. And I was like, well, he says your dad makes a hundred dollars a week. And I think that if you felt called to do something, my dad felt called to be a pastor. And if you feel like you're wired to do something, man, I can help people in this environment, that environment, whatever the environment, whether it be a doctor, um, everybody's going to make sacrifices. But what I wanted to do was fulfill my calling. I felt that I had a gift. I wish my gift was playing, but what I realized was my gift was helping and I wanted to help. And so I just wanted to lean all the way I could into that gift. And I knew I would have to make sacrifices along the way. And, and I was, I was willing to do it. I love it. Ken Coleman, the proximity principal, my, yeah, my dear absolutely. friend. Yeah, I know Ken. And, Fabulous uh, guy, I, man. I, I stole that from you. Yeah, no, no, no. We gave no. Our rule is, we give someone credit one time, and then after absolutely. that, we after that we own it. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, I, we, I heard a pastor say uh, he's going to write a book called "Sermons I Stole from Other Thieves," <laughs> and I think about that in basketball. Oh, plays man. I stole from other thieves. Uh, 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 <laughs> I love it. Hey, we're going to take a quick time out and uh, talk to some of our basketball partners, and we'll be right back with the great Paul Mills. Prepare like the pros with the new Fast Draw. Fast Draw is the number one affordable coaching tool used by pro and high school level teams worldwide. With FastDraw, you can save your plays and playbooks digitally, attach video and share with other coaches and your players in seconds. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching content and resources through their blog and play bank, 
which features over 8,000 free plays and drills from their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Don't forget to use promo code CU10, that is CU10, to receive 10% off your next Fast Model purchase. We're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at Dr. Dish Basketball on board as sponsors of the Coaching You podcast. Dr. Dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today. Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that into Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention Coaching You or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. Back with Paul Mills or Roberts University. Um, listen, Paul, uh, right after, how did you ever connect with Scott Drew and go to Baylor? I think that's a fascinating story. Yeah. I, uh, uh, Willis Wilson, my boss at, at, at Rice University, was speaking at a clinic in Houston. and I'd gone along. I love that stuff. And uh, I was with Coach W and we went. Well, the person immediately afterwards was Scott, and Scott had been at Baylor for about five days, <laughs> and he had just taken the job. It was late August or early August when he had taken the job, and and so being a Texas guy was like, who is this Indiana guy who thinks he can come to Texas and understand the South and our climate? Like, we're a little bit different down here, and and I met him. And, uh, and I said, Hey, Scott, Paul Mills, coach at Rice, um, <laughs> welcome to Texas. If I could ever help you with anything, um, I wish you the best. And that was it. Just mm-hmm. introduced myself. I knew Matt Driscoll. I knew Jerome Tang and, and that was it. And, um, I, I, we, Willis and I get in the car, we drive back to Rice, which was about a 45 minute drive. And I called Jerome and I said, Jerome, would you send me Scott's number? I'm just going to shoot him a quick text and, um, and, and and tell him, hey, good luck. And so I call him, actually, instead of sending the text, and he answers. And I was like, what? Like, it's only been an hour since. Like, shouldn't he still be speaking? I just plan on leaving a voicemail. And he proceeds to ask me about an hour's worth of questions. Oh, wow. um, how hard is it to compete in, in Texas? Who are the better players? And he's just going on and on. Well, you know, Scott, Coach Sir, that's what he does. 
Like he's just littering you with all of these questions on how do I deal with this? And so at the end of this hour, he says, hey, would you come up here and visit us? Um, I would like to uh, see you in person and offer you a job. And and, and I was like, coach, uh, one, thank you. Two, I'm quite certain that I'm not I'm not leaving Houston. I'm from Houston. Rice University is where I want to be. He said, no, I'd like for you to, to consider being a video coordinator here. And I said, thanks, but no thanks. He said, well, listen, I heard that faith was important to you. He oh. said, would you at least pray about this? Right? Oh, he throws that God card at me. <laughs> and I said, listen, um, faith is important to me, but I'll tell you this. I'm 99% certain that God is going <laughs> to say no to, uh, but well, I'll circle back with you. So, and, and I go in and I tell my wife, I said, sweetheart, I just got off the phone with a new head coach at Baylor. He is the most scatterbrained individual <laughs> I've ever met in my life. He has zero chance. And I said, and he offered me a job. And she was like, you took it, right? <laughs> now, remember, I'm making 2000 a year. You're still on the 2000 uh, <laughs> plan, right? Okay. Or, I'm sorry, at Rice. Yeah, that's and, what I'm saying. You're still like, on that. You took it, right? You took the job. And I said, no way. I'm not taking that job. I don't care what they pay me. I don't think you understand what they've inherited. They are not winning. And I'm not talking just this year. They're not winning for a long time. So long story short, Scott calls me the next night. We talk for an hour, calls me for four consecutive nights. Um, I end up going up there. I just, I was enamored with the big 12, with the whole idea. And so I signed on for it. And, and it was just this, this ball of enthusiasm. I always tell people, Scott was 32 at the time. Mm. I, I, I was 29, I believe 30. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and what, what I tell people was if they would have hired somebody in their fifties and their sixties yeah. who really understood how hard of a role road we had to hoe, they would have never have taken that job. We were just a bunch of youthful, exuberant guys. And you couldn't tell us not anything because we were so naive <laughs> and we thought we were winning our conference. We knew year one would be tough. We <laughs> thought year two, we would win the big 12 oh my and God. we won one game the entire year uh, in our conference. We were one in 16 and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and then my last year there in 2017, we were number one in the country. And, and, but I'm telling you, we worked till 3 a.m. And everybody was back in the office at 8 a.m. And we and it wasn't as if Scott made us like I, I always tell people I never worked for Scott. I worked with Scott and Scott would always say that Coach Drew would be like, you don't work for me. You work with me. Great. We don't work for Baylor. We work with Baylor. We are a team trying to flow in the same direction. And we were just so excited that not only did we want to prove ourselves, but we were just this youthful ball of energy that wanted to do everything possible and steward the responsibility that we had been given. We wanted to do it well, and we wanted to do it right. And, um, and then year five, we go to the NCAA tournament, and that was kind of what began this formulation of us just kind of getting a little bit better, a little bit better every single year. 
Hey, tell me, um, I, you know, I know faith is a huge part of your life, uh, but tell me uh, what makes Baylor special. Yeah, I would tell you that one faith is what makes Baylor special. Um, you know, to be at a place where you don't have to be ashamed or or dial back who you really are. Mm-hmm. If God is important to you, you can you can unashamed speak about this stuff. And for us, we never we we would often tell our players, God doesn't make everybody six foot ten. Um, you have been gifted with something that very few people ever get, you know. And, and so we want to use whatever God-given abilities we have, whether it be size, whether it be speed, hand-eye coordination, whatever it may be. We want to use it for God-given reasons. You are giving gifts to give away. We want to make sure we are giving our gifts away. And so for us, we needed to be aligned correctly. I th- the other thing that makes any organization special, right, are the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was fortunate to be around really good people. The New Zealand All Blacks, the great rugby team, sure. has a saying that good people make good players. And so we began to recruit really, really good young men who wanted to get the most out of their abilities. And they had parents, they had people in their lives who wanted that also. And so it was not only this synergy, but we wanted to align ourselves with the parents. The parents were never stand off, keep you guys at arm's length. It was, listen, you know your child better than we do. We want, to, we want his dreams to be accomplished. We want to work with you. We don't want to work against you. You are not an enemy. You are an ally. And I would tell you that the people that we brought in, the people that we were around, um, we really did have a mission-oriented focus of how do we use these God-given abilities for God-given reasons in order to catapult your life forward in a lot of different aspects. And, And so, again, there's nothing magical about this organization or that organization um, what makes an organization is the people. And so we were very fortunate to be around really good people. So, Paul, when you, go, when you get the opportunity uh, to go to Oral Roberts, I think this is a big thing for coaches. There's some people in our profession that think that you must change, look for a new job every year. Right. And, I yeah. mean, you know, that's what I, I think some of us that have gone to the NCAA, um, you know, finals, um, you know, as an event or, or basically our coaching professions uh, conference, uh, you know, we, we really say, my God, we have 4,000, 5,000 people in hotel lobbies looking for work, but they, yet they still have a job with someone else, you know. But, right. you know, and, and it bothers me some, you know, that they don't, their feet are not where their heart should be. And, yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. And, and so you're, you're at an incredibly successful program. Uh, but how does one know uh, it's time to go or time to take that leap for you to go to Oral Roberts? Yeah, I mean, Scott had his dad had been there a long time, a Hall of Fame coach, and Homer Drew at Valparaiso. Yeah. Um, Scott has now been at Baylor for 18 years, Jerome Tang, 18 years. Yeah. I was there for 14 years. I, I, I would tell you that there was a saying, I don't know who originated this one, but 
make the big time where you are mm-hmm. is I, I just I wanted to do right by that day. I, I wanted to whatever it is. So so metaphorically for me, I I wanted to empty my cup, right? I didn't necessarily know if I could fill other players' cups because whether or not they receive anything you're saying is not even up to you. They, they may or may not take in what you're telling them. But I knew at the end of the day when I walked out of that gym, I wanted to empty my cup. I didn't know if I could necessarily fill theirs, but I knew I could empty mine. And so all I ever wanted to do was just, man, let me go in. These guys are going to know that I love them. They're going to know that I'm organized and they're going to know that I'm giving them my best. Now, if they take anything from it, great. If they don't, I'm not going to base whether or not I'm doing something right based on them. I'm going to base it on me. Did I give these dudes everything I had? And we don't always get it right. And so the next day we come back, we work through the kinks, we apologize, and then we move forward. So for me, I never focused on anything. Long-term plan, five-year plan, at the end of this year, every day was, man, did I empty my cup? Mm. And that was all I cared about. And, and what I've realized is success happens overnights. That's two words, right? Mm-hmm. It happens over time, not overnight. And so I remember reading an article this past summer, um, Zoom, the overnight success that was 12 years in the making. <laughs> I just wanted to, man, let me let me be really good today for what I and I never really thought about. I didn't think about next week. I didn't think about a year. I never thought about any of that stuff. Uh, and I think that that when you have a hyper focused mentality on how do I get better instead of these long term visions, I can tell you right now, your long term plans, long term visions probably aren't going to happen the way that you think they are. Uh, So don't waste today. You've been given a gift as a coach. You need to give the gift away. That's what gifts are for. And you need to do it at a level that your players know, man, that dude has given us everything he's got every single day. I love that. That is fantastic. Now, you are in a, people don't know this, but Oral Roberts plays in the Summit Conference, yeah. which is a really tough league with really tough teams yeah. and a tough geographical boundaries of your league and stuff. Uh, and talk about how hard it is when you come in after replacing someone, uh, in your case, Scott Sutton, you know, the son of just a legend as a coach. Yeah, uh, and a hell of a coach in his own right. I've coached against one hundred percent, and uh, to go into a place that he had been at for a long time, and um, you know how hard it is to go in to establish yourself in, as a new culture, and then to do it in a very, very tough, underrated conference. Yeah, one uh, Coach Sutton is phenomenal. He's the all-time winningest coach here, right? And only had. Uh, in, in, in his last 16 years, he had two losing seasons. So Coach Sutton is really good. So you knew that when a change was made for whatever reason, that you weren't going to all of a sudden necessarily be in a situation where you may be looked upon favorably by the players. 
they may or may not agree with a change. So you're walking in to an environment. They do not care where you have been, what you have done. Uh, they just want to know, can you help me? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so from that context, I just really wanted those guys to know, man, I want you to know that I'm here to help. The previous coach was really good. And what you need to understand is this is going to be different. It doesn't mean it's wrong. And I'm not telling you that it, that it necessarily means it, it's right. I'm not going to come across with any kind of arrogance at all. I just want you to know that I'm here to invest in you. And, and so from, from that, I just wanted to get those players to trust. That's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. And so that stuff takes time. And then when you begin to go in the conference, if you look at the last decade of the 32 college basketball conferences, the league is number one in threes uh, percentage, two percentage, free throw percentage, offensive efficiency, effective field goal, number one. So it's a super skilled basketball league. And then you realize the level of talent that's going to be required in order to be competitive. And all of those things are just daunting if you look at it from a big picture. And again, I just approached it every single day as it's not my job to fill this university's cup, to fill these players' cup. I just need to empty mine. Mm-hmm. And there will be a time to assess, did we do this? Is the emptying of our cup resulting in anything? And, and I just, again, over the course of time, day by day by day, um, Hey, this this will stack up and make sure. But I just wanted to make sure I never left a day to where we hadn't invested in this program and these players. And then over the course of uh, what happened was was my first year. I didn't think they were firing me at, at the end of year one. Um, we had inherited a team that had won six Division One games. Um, we won eight uh, <laughs> at the end of year one. Then that next year, we decided to, to not sign anybody, and we saved all the scholarships um, my first year, and we brought in nine new players. So those nine new players, you're not winning with nine new players. I can just tell you that right now, right. Uh, unless they're really good. But now these those nine guys are now juniors now. And, and, and to watch them go through those rough periods – Year two didn't go well. We won 11 games. Year three, we won 17. Uh, and then this past year, having a team that, that was able to make the NCAA tournament, go to the Sweet 16. Well, those freshmen who are now juniors remember what it was like uh, <laughs> to go through those practices and to lose. And, and again, you can't skip steps. Uh, that was what we had to do. And, and we were fortunate to watch this play out. And you're so happy for your players. Uh, You're so excited for them because they see that what they're doing is not only paying dividends for themselves, but it's paying dividends for their teammates in a broader community. So in essence, it's really sparked more work and more love amongst teammates than would have otherwise been the case had had they not experienced losing those early years because they understand how difficult it actually is. I don't know where to go next on this. I, I, I'm tempted to go 
let's just go to the NC. You, you win. So I, I remember watching your conference final game. Talk about yeah. how that game went because I, I don't want to. Sure. Yeah. Well, in the first half, we were great. Uh, <laughs> and then I started coaching. Uh, and then it went downhill. But we were up 25 at halftime and playing really well. And it's almost like your guys are like, can the game be over with? Sure. Like, uh, <laughs> and 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 you knew there was there was this little bit of malaise um, in us, and, and and so you you tried to just hey, just guys, let's stay the path. Well, long story short, a twenty five point lead gets tied with a minute to go, and and we end up winning by three. Um, uh, take a lead late on a free throw. And then get a stop and, and add some other free throws in order to, to seal the victory. And our guys were excited. Um, but as I shared with them, I, I've been fortunate to, to, to be in five sweet 16s uh, wow. when I was at Baylor. And, and four of them at Baylor, now one at ORU. And I've also experienced an NIT. Well, I can tell you that, that going to the NIT, being in, we won a championship and we were runner-up. Um, that's a better feeling than going one game in the NCAA tournament and mm-hmm. losing. And, and I just wanted our guys to understand that the goal was never to get to the NCAA. Uh, the goal was to win games in the NCAA. I remember Chris Paul, I heard him say this years ago, he said there's nothing worse than an NBA player who gets to the NBA and says draft night was the biggest of his life. <laughs> he says, cause then you have these guys in the locker room who already think they've arrived and now you're, you're trying to win, but they think that whatever goal they had has already been accomplished. Good call. And so for me, it was guys, this is great, but I can tell you there are better feelings in the game of basketball by giving and honoring one another by giving your best. And so we were so focused on winning. What are the things we need to do to win? What are the things we need to do in order to play well and give ourselves a chance? And, uh, and we, had a, we had a week, um, about 10 days of preparation. Uh, we didn't know who we were playing until Sunday night, but you know we were playing those guys on, on a Friday. And so our guys were really dialed in, but we were able to, uh, to, to kind of – get their minds reset on let's get focused on winning. And then once one win happened, I told them that, Hey, I've gone to sweet 16s. I know winning in round one is fun, but I can promise you if we can win this next one, if we can dial in and win this next one, you're going to experience an even better feeling from that commitment than otherwise. So to our guys credit, they were really able to limit distractions and understand not that it's always going to work out, but what are the things we need to do in order to give ourselves a chance? And to our, again, to our players credit, they wanted to know what do we need to do in order to make this happen? And we were fortunate that it happened. Yeah. I mean, and, and then, so you get Ohio state in round one, I believe, right? Yeah. Who was his two seed. But a lot of people uh, thought they were a two seed. We a lot of 15. people thought they should have been a one, if they, uh, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, they were right they up had there. They lost in the Big Ten championship to Illinois. They had beaten Michigan in the semifinal, right. and then they lost to Illinois in the championship game in double overtime. Yep. And and Illinois was a one seed. Yeah. And so yeah, there were people who who thought that Ohio State should be a one. 
and and, and so you and and you you guys shot the ball great down the stretch, and 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 you win the game, and now to get those guys against now you go to play Florida right in round two. Yeah. And and Mike's got a good team, Mike White. No doubt. Uh, and uh, you know, and another SEC team, you know, and a really good squad, Big Ten, and now an SEC team. Uh, you know, how, how does that? How does that? That mentality, uh, that uh, that approach, or or are you just at that point, you're just still working on just basketball approach? How does that work? No, I, I do. I after after the Ohio State win. Um, we everybody was housed in Indianapolis for right. the NCAA tournament, and you would drive to your venue. Well, we were in Lafayette, oh geez, at, at West Lafayette playing at Purdue. So that's about an hour and a half drive. Yeah, um, I told the players, you got an hour and a half to return all of these text messages, <laughs> um, whatever attention. The game was on CBS, so whatever attention you may have received. Uh, do it, uh, call your parents, uh, return your girlfriend, talk to your girlfriend. But when we get back to this hotel, guys, continue to stay on your phone and read social media and text message if you want to lose and go home in 48 hours. If you don't want to lose and go home in 48 hours, put those silly phones away, okay? And and you're going to have to learn how to prevent distractions in order to be good. Wow. And so I literally just turned my phone off. Um, I was flooded with text messages and I was, I, 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 it's therapeutic for me to grade the film. So we get back to the hotel. I'm obviously pretty amped and I grade our film. It takes, it takes me about five hours to grade our film. And so I go through it and then I immediately, pour my attention into Florida and uh, we end up playing them on a Sunday night. So the next day at practice Saturday at one, um, we got back to the hotel on the Friday night at six. I'd probably slept about two hours, mm. but I was so ready for practice. And, uh, and, and we were, we were getting this in, we were going to do everything. We met again with them at eight that night went through some Ohio State clips that we knew we needed to clean up and then went through the Florida stuff. We had talked through it. Um, by that next morning at 10, we went through the Florida stuff again, went to shoot around. Then at 3 o'clock at pregame mill, I think we played at, at, at 8 that night at pregame mill. We went through the Florida stuff again. Um, and then we go through it three times before we ever uh, before we ever tip off. And so by the time we got to game time, I'm like, man, all right, we've done a lot in this 48 hours, but our guys are ready. Because the most important thing for our players is is that they sleep uh, yeah. and stay uh, and stay off their feet. And and we don't we talk through them with what does blue light do to your sleep? And we're pretty big on the sleep aspect. And so from that from that vantage point, I thought our players handled it responsibly. And then I thought our staff handled everything responsibly. And I was really confident and thought we were really prepared going into Florida. Doesn't mean we were going to win, but I did think we were really ready. So you win that game and now you're in the Sweet 16. And then now you can return all these text messages because <laughs> you've got a week. Uh, we had, we That was a Sunday night. Um, 
we had planned a kickball game, uh, spur of the moment, uh, on like Monday at like four o'clock. Uh, the, the Indianapolis had allowed us to go outside to get outside of the bubble to a baseball park that was, um, for the, for all everybody there. Yeah. And so that was kind of one of the first times we were ever able to all be together in a non-basketball setting. And it was just fun. It was fun for your players. It was fun for your coaches. Uh, it was just fun to be in an environment and allow those guys to be kids. Mind you, they are totally oblivious to everything that goes on in the outside world because we're in this little bubble. You know, they're not aware of Sports Center or, uh, you know, maybe some of the attention that's going on. And from that vantage point, I thought it was great. Yeah. Because uh, we were able to keep them locked in on what we needed to do. Well, you know, the, the experience that you've had and those kids and stuff, uh, it, it, to do it in your first four years is absolutely mind boggling, right? I mean, you know, it exceeds all expectations. But you know what? That, that's what that's what sport is about and, and i think you know from maybe people on the outside you know i often get very mad uh when i hear did you expect to win and it was like show me a coach who goes <laughs> into a game not expecting to win uh like we we anticipated we expected to win now does it always happen no I think most coaches hate losing more than they like winning. Winning is expected. We've done the work. we prepared. Now, when you lose, that was not anticipated. <laughs> that was yeah. never what the plan was. And so I was I, – I, I, our guys just believed so much, and they wanted to put in the work in order to honor each other. I believe they wanted to honor our staff. Um, they knew the commitments that everybody had made during a COVID season. And I think everyone wanted to give their best because that was how we demonstrated love towards one another was through our efforts. And we wanted to make sure that we were giving efforts that honored one another. And to our kids' credit, um, they did that. Paul, as you went out recruiting post-NCAA tournament, and now as you're going out, as we're recording this in, uh, you know, in September, uh, how has recruiting changed at ORU? I used to like say, hey, Paul Mills, head coach at Oral Roberts. And they'd be like, who and what? <laughs> and you'd have O-R-A-L-R-O. You know, you'd have to, we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh -huh. uh, I, I mean, I can remember calling somebody about a week after the sweet 16 and a young man said, man, I've been waiting for this call. Uh, <laughs> and so we have a NBA caliber player, a player yep. who entered the draft decided to come back. So everybody thinks that they can be him. Uh, when is he leaving? Can I take his spot? And so we've had players who we told no, uh, whether they be transfers or high school kids, who had to go to other power five schools wow. who we literally said, we can't take you. Um, and, and, and we're not in that position at this moment. And, and so I really like our basketball team. Uh, we did take a transfer this year from OU and we did take a transfer from Kansas. Um, and, and so both of those guys, 
uh, we recruited them out of high school before they went to Oklahoma. And, and the young man went to Kansas, and then he went to Vanderbilt, um, Isaac McBride, but he was a top 100 high school player. And, and those were 10-second conversations. Uh, so those things were good uh, because they saw our style of play. We led the country in three-point field goals made per right. game. Right. And so, uh, so from a style of play and from a fit and notoriety, Obviously, all of the attention has helped, and uh, recruiting has gone really well for us. Well, I tell you what, uh, great days are ahead and continued success. Paul, I'm so, so proud of you, and uh, I couldn't be happier for anyone that I've had a relationship with to see uh, how you're doing and how your program and your kids are doing because uh, you've certainly paid your dues. Uh, You're a great person, and uh, they're lucky to have you, my friend. Well, Coach, sir, thank you for your investment, not only through this podcast, but if anybody has any inkling about you, um, you you have invested in people and in this game for so long. And still to this day, uh, even through coaching you, and I am so grateful uh, for your impact on me and your willingness to give your gift away uh, because it's helped me help others. So thank you for making me better. Oh, it, I'm honored. I'm honored. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start emptying my cup a little better than so I can catch up to you. But Paul, thanks again. And great success this year for you and your team. Okay. Coach, thank you. I just think it's, uh, it's, it's really neat to see good people uh, grow and, and, and like he has. And then when they get their shot, they knock it out of the park. Uh, uh, and I love so many of the things I was taking notes as as I always do during these conversations of things I can learn. And I just I just loved so much of the things that he shared with us again. Uh, make sure for those of you uh, that want to keep learning our coaching you videos. Taylor Jenkins, the head coach of the Grizzlies, Nick Nurse, world champion coach with the Raptors, Stephen Silas, the head coach of the Rockets. Uh, Phil Handy, the best player development person and a superstar coach for the Lakers, uh, along with Adrian Griffin, Sean Sweeney from the Mavs. Terrific lineup, 14 videos, great learning, men's and women's coaches. You want to really dive into this. And as a bonus, we threw in, I think, six player development videos from the great Gannon Baker, Joe Abunasar. Uh, you know, and I think you're really, really going to get a kick out of these and really pick up some fabulous new things uh, for your players, because whether you're high school, college or pro, that's what this is about, developing your talent. We heard that from so many of the coaches that are head coaches now. That's what they talk about. How do I develop the players that I have? So make sure you go on to coachingyoulive.com forward slash 2021 videos. $275 for the 14 videos with and the player development bundle as an added bonus. Coachingyoulive.com forward slash 2021 videos. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sir. Coaching You Live.